When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Blockbuster. Nothing personal. Word of the day. It's Friday. Yes. I am excited for Super Bowl weekend. I'm excited for the weekend because my voice is a little tired. But can you hear it? I'm bringing it today because we have some stuff. We've got football. We've got basketball. We've got baseball. We've got prop picks. But we're starting with Blockbuster. Word of the day. The NBA dread. Yeah. All right, Coca. We're going to do that again. Here we go. Two. Six, nine. Blockbuster. Nothing personal. Word of the day. Friday, February 11th, 2022. It was the NBA trade deadline yesterday at 3 p.m. And I was all diminutive and cocksure on yesterday's show. Positive that Harden and Simmons and Westbrook would not be traded. We had wait to seize. I went on Lebetard and had a, a dollar bet with Mike Ryan that they wouldn't be traded. Meanwhile, he had inside information. Apparently, the Harden-Simmons trade was done prior to yesterday, but no one knew. As a matter of fact, the rumors were the opposite, and I couldn't believe that Daryl Morey would give up anything to get James Harden, knowing that he was going to get him for nothing just as a free agent at the end of the season. But I underestimated something, and I shouldn't have, having been in those shoes. The unbelievable aphrodisiac that is jewelry. When you are in the middle of a season and you look around and you don't see Jordan and you don't see Ewing, although I shouldn't, that's not nice. I shouldn't say that. No one looked around and said, hey, Patrick Ewing's in the Eastern Conference. We're not going to win a title this year. But you certainly do it with Jordan. You look at the Nets and you say, eh, Celtics, eh, heat over overperforming, outkicking the coverage. You're Daryl Morey. You haven't won a title with Houston. You're in Philadelphia. They're starving for a title. They haven't won since Julius Irving. Anybody? Zinkoff? Anybody? Bueller? Hello? Maurice Cheeks. So he's thinking, we got a chance here. We got an MVP-style season by Joel Embiid. We're doing it without Ben Simmons. And now we can get James Harden for Seth Curry and Andre Drummond. Now everybody else is saying this trade is actually Harden for Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and two picks that are so complicated I'm not going to get into it because who gives a crap? It's a 1978 pick, but if there's a difference in where you are, then it's protected, and then you it's a Trojan pick, which is a top five pick, but then if you don't protect yourself, it's a 2029 pick, and then it's second round, first round, whatever. Who cares? Harden on the team, 
Seth Curry, who is the coach's son-in-law, might I add. Doc Rivers' daughter is married to Seth Curry. And Andre Drummond. Are the Sixers better this year? Do they have a better chance of winning the title with James Harden playing on their team instead of Curry and Drummond? And my answer is probably not. But it feels that way. It is so seductive when you can trade for someone who is so well-known, former MVP, someone who you think can be on the outside and create shots, create space for Joel Embiid. You don't have to give up your two good guards. It's, it's, it's right there in front of you that you become blind. Blinded by this lust to win a ring. Sean Marks of the Nets did a great job with this trade. He got rid of a player that no one on the Nets wanted to have. A failed experiment of a big three of Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and James Harden. Who knew about the pandemic? Who knew Irving wouldn't be able to play anything other than road games this year? Who knew Durant would get hurt? Who knew that Irving liked to imitate Serrano and light stuff on fire in the middle of the clubhouse? Who knew these things? Who knew the big three when they got together would only play 16 games together and go 13-3 and three in those 16 games, but because of injury and various other reasons? So I want to get to something that really was shocking yesterday about that trade. Post-trade, you had two teams telling you we got better. The Nets got better by adding Simmons and Curry and Drummond because Harden did what he did in Houston and in Oklahoma City. He said, I'm done. I want out. What makes the Sixers fans think that Harden's not going to do the same thing in Philly? I'm just curious about that. So Sean Marks goes to Joseph and Clara, the owners of the Nets, and says, listen, we, we got a trade here. Harden's not happy. He leaked to the press that he doesn't want to ask for a trade because of public backlash. <laughs> like, whatever, man. But if we trade him, we I just want you to know the facts here because your accounts are going to get to you. We paid him $63-plus for a basic season. Right? He played 88 games, and he got $63 million. But he's claiming his hamstring hurts. I have no proof. We have no way to do it. We took an MRI. It shows a little age, a little frame. But all of a sudden, he's not willing to play? What do you want to do here, Joe? Well, Sean, Mr. GM, we're sort of favored to win the finals. But we're not even out of the play-in. So... I think we just should do it. Should we do it? Is Harden going to re-sign with us? Let me call James. Hold on. Because I promise you, before a trade like that happens, there is a conversation between the owner or the president and the player. Here's what I would have approached James. James, quick question for you. Are you going to sulk around and suck your thumb like a baby for the rest of the season, pretend you're injured and not play well with others and act like a fat slob who doesn't play defense? I'm just asking. Just for me, just between us, I won't go public. Well, Joe, you know that I really love it here, and but I got to tell you, I've been planning to go to Philadelphia for a year, and I'm not going to resign. So if you can get anything back for me, I mean, you might as well try. 
that's really how conversations go. Players will be honest with you and say, yeah, it's not going to happen. And then I would say, well, wait a minute. What if we outbid the other teams? Well, then I'd think about it. But in the NBA, where it's a salary cap, where there are maximums that you can give players, it's very easy for a player to know exactly what he's going to get from each team. Even easier than in baseball where tampering happens. Basketball, too. So James Harden's on the phone with Daryl Morey. Yes, they speak. And they're talking about the possibility, what the extension will look like. Because do you think for one second that Philadelphia made this trade with the Nets without having a prearranged deal with Harden for an extension? Anybody who thinks that James Harden will not be a sixer next year, you're fooling yourself because James Harden's going to go to Philly. He's going to suit up and play. His hamstring's going to be fine. And then he's going to sign an extension at the end of this season, whether it is a opt-in and then trade and then sign, or if it's just declare free agency and then sign as a free agent. Either way, Harden has a done deal with the Sixers. But the other strange thing about this blockbuster is the unbelievable public hatred shown by players toward their former teammates. Did you see what MB did on Instagram? He posted a picture basically that was saying without a caption, but Coca, who is obviously way hipper, way younger, knows exactly what's going on because I he sent me this Instagram and I sent back question mark, question mark. Like, do we really need to have a conversation? Because I don't know what the hell you're talking about. And he said, David, here's the caption of this. So I read the caption and I wrote back, I don't know what you're talking about. And he said, David, you put the boom in er. What Embiid is saying is, I want to confirm that this guy's dead because he is dead to me. And I said, who is? He said, David, he's talking about Simmons. I said, oh, he must not have liked Simmons. And I said, Coco, do you remember episode number 469 where we said that Embiid, when he talks to the media, he kept saying the same thing. I'm focused on who is playing on the team right now. I'm not focused on players who don't want to be here. I'm focused on players who do want to be here. It's the world's worst kept secret that they didn't get along. Have you noticed the number of big twos and big threes that are put together where they're not getting along for whatever reason, and they're all trying to be like the Miami Heat when they brought Bosh and James and Wade together, and they had such love for each other off the court, on the court, and they grew together and made it to the finals four straight years? I'm trying to think of another big three that was put together. Coca, can you help me with this off the top of your head? I know it's Friday. What's another big three that was put together through free agency and trades that was more successful or even close as the Heat? Because other big threes came, like if you look at Durant when he was with Harden and Westbrook, if you look at Davis and James and Westbrook, I'm trying to think of a big three. Even, you know, Curry and Green and Durant. Durant joined them, but Curry and Green, I think, were there. I just can't think of another example. So Embiid throws shade at Simmons, hates him. But then last night, Kevin Durant gave us his true feelings about James Harden. Did you watch the draft? The NBA does really cool stuff. Two things happened yesterday that were tremendously cool that made baseball incredibly jealous. While Rob Manfred was meeting the media for a press conference that we're going to talk about later in the show, I'm watching at 9 p.m. the NFL honors. I'm watching the opening number by the host, the guy from Key and Peel, Key from 
the show Friends from College. I tweeted about it. If you haven't seen that show, please do. We reviewed it. It's only two seasons. It's so awesome. And everyone's there in tuxes, and they have movie stars, and they've got sports stars, and they just do it right. And MLB's looking at that saying, man, we could never do that. We just will never get two hours of prime time on one of the big networks. That's number one. Number two, we just don't have the personalities. We don't have the audience. We always wanted to be that hip, that cool. Just doesn't work. So that's going on in the NFL. I don't really remember what I was talking about. But I was talking about, oh, and the NBA does this draft for the all-star teams. In MLB, it's the American League against the National League. They try to make this big announcement where there's a big show on ESPN or MLB Network, wherever it is, and they release the reserves and the fans vote for the starters. And then they have the final three, and then you vote for the final three. If you knew the number of hours that are spent at owners' meetings— when they're not negotiating collective bargaining agreements, the number of hours spent figuring out ways to try to get you interested, you the fan, in all the jewel events, whether it's the All-Star Game, the draft, the World Series, postseason awards. If you had any idea the number of hours and the number of people involved, you would say, oh my God, we're all a bunch of incompetent blokes. And you'd be right, because we've abjectly failed trying to get you interested in these things. So the NBA said, let's pick two captains. We'll get starters from the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference. Then we'll have the captains live on TV, give it to our partner TNT. We won't keep it for NBA TV. We'll give it to our partner and we'll let them draft the All-Stars like an old school survivor-like playground draft. Now, if you are five foot two in high school, where you're decently athletic enough, but you are diminutive and cocksure, you are used to being picked close to last in the playground. And of course, you take it personally because you think people don't like you. And in fact, it's not a popularity contest, even though you think it's a popularity contest. It's actually about skill because people want to win, kill a carrier, capture the flag, or whatever idiotic game you're playing during recess in grade school and middle school that for you is as important as anything you will do in your professional or personal life. So you're sitting there and you try to make eye contact with the captains and you want to be chosen and then you want to be chosen with your friends. It's just a total anxiety riddled experience, the whole playground pick. Are you with me? Anybody? Coke has no idea what I'm talking about because he was always chosen first because he's this strapping man. Although I have no idea what he was like as a seventh grader. Maybe he was a late bloomer. Anyway. I digress. So you've got Durant, you've got James, they're choosing teams, they've got a list of players, there's two players left, Rudy Gobert, always one of the last two players left, and James Harden. Kevin Durant has a choice, he's got the pick, he looks at the board, LeBron James starts laughing, Charles Barkley, Kenny Smith, Ernie Johnson, Shaquille O'Neal, they start laughing, Kevin Durant says, hmm, you know, we need some size, we'll go with Rudy Gobert. And LeBron James says, ha, 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 I guess I'll take James Harden. James Harden was the last pick, but then it got funny. LeBron James said to him, hey, are you, is he healthy? This is on live TV. And Kevin Durant said, he just got traded, didn't he? Of course he's healthy. So James Harden had a hamstring injury, and it will miraculously be cured, and he will be in the lineup for the Sixers Toot sweet. But that's not the one that bothered me. What bothered me is when news came out yesterday that Ben Simmons is going to be available for the Nets on their next road trip. 
Ben Simmons hasn't played all year. Ben Simmons tried to claim that he was having mental health struggles. And I told you, now, let me give you a little background. How often have I supported mental health issues on this show? How often have I tried to get people to be sympathetic, as sympathetic for a mental health issue as you are for a torn ACL or a concussion? And then when I came out and told you that Ben Simmons was using mental health struggles as a sword, not a shield, in order to get his money paid because you're not allowed to suspend someone and not pay them if they are mentally struggling. And I said the minute he's traded, his mental problems, poof, will go away like the puffy marshmallow man in Ghostbusters. And it did. Do you understand, Ben, what you did and the way you set back the unbelievable improvements that we've had recently in terms of recognizing mental health? And where are the other NBA players calling it out? Do you not want to do it because he's one of your fellow players? But for the Kevin Loves of the world, Kevin Love showed unbelievable strength to do what he did when he wrote an entire article and, and went public with his anxiety disorder. Where was he yesterday? It's amazing if you're going to be first, but it means you can't stop. You got to keep going. So I am going to keep going. Ben Simmons, what you did is inexcusable. I don't know you, so I'm not about to comment on you personally. I will only say that it is quite obvious you were not a fit with the Sixers. Will you be a fit with the Nets as one of the best defending point guards around? Wait to see. But you ought to be ashamed of yourself to pretend you had mental health issues. So those were the blockbuster deals yesterday. I got to mention one more because there, there is a uh, power dynamic with players that I cannot possibly get you to hear enough times. When you are a superstar in the NBA, you've got the power. I've got the power. Do you know who Luka doesn't like on the Mavericks? Porzingis. Do you know how badly Luca has, wants Porzingis out of Dallas and how much he told Mark Cuban, get him out? And Mark Cuban said, man, we, he's got a big contract. I don't know who's going to take him. He's always injured. And I've never seen a seven-footer play 10 feet further away from the basket than Patrick Ewing did. I mean, what's going on here? Well, somehow they got the Washington Bullets to take Porzingis. Staggering. But Luka got his way, and Porzingis is now a wizard, and the Mavericks are a better team because of it. Addition by subtraction. They got a good player back, by the way. So it was quite a day. Okay. Oh, we had some wait to seize, by the way, with the trade deadline. Do you remember them from yesterday? Coca's making me do them again. I only like going back to wait to seize when I get them right because I figure you're going to forget if I do a way to see and you get it wrong. But Coca's making me do it. Fine. Russell Westbrook will not get traded. Bam. Got that one. How did the Lakers and the Knicks do yesterday? Perfect. James Harden will not get traded. Got that one wrong. Ben Simmons will not get traded. Got that one wrong. Do you remember what I told you on my sister's birthday on October 21st, 2021? Do you? Do you remember when the Sacramento Kings were having a fight with their pick, Marvin Bagley? Coca! I forgot to tell you what I learned yesterday. This is so typical that I had no recollection of this. Is it possible that Marvin Bagley got drafted ahead of? No, it can't be. 
Someone is saying he got drafted ahead of, oh, of Luca and Trey Young. I believe Marvin Bagley got drafted ahead of Luca and Trey Young. Marvin Bagley has not exactly had a successful career, and he came out and said it was the fault of the front office in Sacramento. And I said, goodbye, Marvin Bagley. Well, he got traded yesterday to the Detroit Pistons. That's like going from bad to worse. Well, see you later. But that wait to see was all the way back on October 21st when the season was just starting. I said, Bagley's going to be gone before the season's out, and he was. And then another wait to see I had yesterday is that the Lakers would not make a trade. The Lakers did not make a trade. The Lakers should make a trade. The Lakers are finished. End of title hope. They will forever be known as the COVID title team. As a matter of fact, LeBron James probably looks in the mirror this morning and says, I can't do any more to help our team. I'm never going to win another title. But I will get to play with Bronny, maybe. Okay, so meanwhile, the trade deadline's going on. The Super Bowl week is happening. And the owners' meetings in Orlando for Major League Baseball were finished. And Rob Manford, the commissioner of baseball, had a press conference. At about 11 o'clock, I thought it would be at 11.30. Owners' meeting, the joint meeting went fast. You know why? Because nothing gets talked about there because it all happens during the committee meetings and before those meetings start. But anyway, the Thursday morning meeting happens. It ends. And I told you Rob Manford to go meet the media. And so he did. He started with prepared remarks and then took questions. And I've got approximately seven takeaways that I'd like to go over. Number one, I told you, wait to see. He will announce the delay of spring training. Nope. He did the opposite. So when Rob meets the media, he's got Pat Courtney as head of communications. He's got Dan Hallam as deputy commissioner. He's got other people around him who are advising him. And when you are meeting the media following an owner's meeting, you get the agenda of what you need to talk about if there's been an ownership transaction or any rules changes or if there's an update with revenue or anything. You have that in a list of stuff you're going to cover before you take questions. This one's a little different because they're in the middle of a lockout and no one gives a flying rat's pituitary gland about anything other than, hey, when is baseball starting? So when you're preparing, Rob, for this, it's very easy because you know in your direct comments you have to address where you are, where you've been, where you're going, and why where you have been, where you are, and where you're going is beyond reproach. That you have done everything to get the game of baseball back on the field and get the focus out of the boardroom. Then you're going to be getting questions. And you have to decide, do you want to answer those questions in your direct comments or do you want to wait for the question and then answer it as a question so then we come up with a list and I've helped Rob with this back in the beginning of questions that you can expect and answers that you should give one where are we in terms of spring training that's the number one question it starts next week we want to know where we are well I'm gonna have to answer that all right what else do you have two what are you going to propose on Saturday, which is rumored to be your next meeting. One, can you confirm that you're meeting Saturday? Two, what do you think is going to come out of the meeting on Saturday? Three, why hasn't there been a deal to this point? Four, 
I've been off by one finger this entire time if you're watching Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel, and I don't have an answer for that other than I put up on three, I had four fingers up. Coco, did you notice that? Because I just realized. And then when I said four, I put up five. But back to three. Four. I think we're up to four. Six. Will the regular season start on time? Seven. What was the delay post-lockout pre the first negotiating session? Eight. Who's to blame for the lack of progress? Nine. Has anything actually been agreed to? So Rob Manford decided that he was going to answer some of these questions only when asked. Someone said, tell me about spring training. And do you know what he said? He said, when asked, do you expect spring training to be delayed? He said, as of now, there's no change to the reporting dates of spring training. Huh? Who, who told you to say that? The reason why he was told to say that is for whatever reason, he was told, and he believes, that by not telling the fans that spring training is delayed, by not telling the players that spring training is delayed, you can somehow pressure them when they get your next proposal tomorrow, Saturday, February 12th, 2022, that if they accept this deal as is, bing, bang, boom, you're going to have spring training February 16th. Because another talking point was, hey, how long do you need after an agreement is agreed to in order to start spring training? And he said a few days. Horsaki! You need more than a few days, and you know it, the players know it, I know it, and now everybody else knows it. So everyone was all excited doing the math. It just takes a few days. And then he said, you can ratify agreements concurrently. And then he had to explain what concurrent was. So he said, side by side, together. What he meant was the owners can vote on an agreed upon collective bargain agreement where you need 23 out of 30 votes. The players can vote on an agreed upon collective bargain agreement. They need 601 out of 1,200 votes to say yes. And they could meet at the same time and then announce together separately that we have an agreement off-season, lockout's done, we've lifted the lockout, grievances are taken care of, here's a list of what we've agreed to, here's the playoffs, here's when the season is starting, here's when spring training's starting, ready, on your mark, get set, go. Well, if you've got some extra money because you've been following the pick of the day, go get The Athletic, read an article that Jason Stark just wrote with Ken Rosenthal on all the different things that have to happen before the season starts. Now, they've got good sources, Yes, they do, because there's a long list of things that needs to happen, and it doesn't happen. Snip, snap, snoop. Now, there's a ton of things that have been happening during the lockout that shouldn't be happening, which would give you an indication that maybe the time from ratification to the opening of spring training could be a few days. However, how's Rob going to answer whether or not his owners and GMs and presidents and managers respected the terms of the lockout when all of a sudden the lockout ends and all these players sign within 24 hours? Wow. Epic. Wouldn't it be amazing if Freddie Freeman just signed with the Yankees like in the first day after the lockout? Holy cow. I had this feeling during the lockout I wanted to be a Yankee. I couldn't speak to anyone. I couldn't let anyone know I wanted to be a Yankee. I had no idea what they were going to offer. So I quickly called them the minute the lockout ended. They said, yeah, we're happy to do six years at $30 million each. Here's 180 over six. Boom, I'm a Yankee. Hey, I'm going to Tampa. Let's start spring training in 36 hours. Come on, man. NGTH. But he doesn't want to give you a headline. 
coming out of the owner's meeting, coming out of his press conference, that spring training has been delayed. Because he then gets on Saturday to delay spring training after giving a counterproposal to the players, having the players not accept it, and then blame the players for the delay in spring training. Are you getting what I'm talking about? What about the regular season? Nah, we're still good. Well, what's the timeline? Well, I think we need about four weeks of spring training. Where'd you hear that before? And then we need about a few days. All right, I think that off we need, you know, February 20th, 21st. Boom, we're good for March 31st. What else are you going to say, Rob? Well, folks, do you know how much we've already given? We have already agreed to a universal designated hitter. We have already agreed to eliminate draft compensation for players receiving qualifying offers. That's really, really a huge, huge give. Huge. Do you know the players knew that the owners were going to agree to a universal designated hitter? And when you know in advance that someone's going to agree to something, you don't actually give up anything to get that. Therefore, there's no progress in the unresolved issues, which is why baseball always had to say, well, we're not just giving you the universal designated hitter. Look what happened in 2020. Both sides wanted the universal designated hitter, but no one wanted to give an inch. Therefore, they didn't have the universal designated hitter in the COVID-shortened season. But during the course of these proposals going back and forth during this lockout, the owners have to be able to say to potentially someone from the National Labor Relations Board, potentially to a judge, look what we did. Not good faith bargaining. We gave the universal designated hitter. (gasps) Shocking. It's really quite something the way everyone tries to manipulate you. The players come out and talk. Aaron Judge came out and said what a great meeting they had in Tampa. Again, another guy saying how great participation was. 50 guys show up in Tampa. You know what you call that? You call that lunch at Burns. And then do you know where you go after Burns? Anyone who's been to Tampa knows. You start with Burns, and then if you don't lose total momentum with the three-hour meal, eating a 60-ounce steak while in the wine room drinking six bottles, there's a place you go. Anyway, so Aaron Judge comes out of the meeting with the players and says, we are unified, we're together, the everyone has great strength, great hope that we're going to be able to get to a deal because we're ready, we want to play. Do you remember what happened in 2020 when they were having an issue with the 60 days? I'm just curious if you remember that. Well, both sides actually said, hey, we want to play, we're ready. The players were like, hey, we're ready to start right now. The owner's like, we want to play right now. And they couldn't even agree, and they ended up with a 60-game season. So everything's going well with the press conference. And then the question came about missing regular season games. How was Rob not prepared for that? He answered that missing games would be a disastrous outcome for Major League Baseball. Why? Why are you saying that when you know very well that it is far more likely than not that there are going to be missed games? Because now you're opening yourself up to two problems. One is with the players who sit at the table and look at you and say, hey, missing games is going to be disastrous to you guys. And then Rob gets to say, I didn't mean disastrous to the owners. I meant disastrous to the players. Because if you think that the owners are going to miss games and miss revenue and not take it out on players in this year and going forward as it relates to payroll, then 
you're sorely mistaken. So Rob used a word with the double entendre, disastrous, which is a terrible word to use in any sort of press conference setting, because let's save disasters for people who don't know where their next meal is coming. Let's save disasters for natural phenomenon that take lives away. Let's not call a lockout between owners and players and missing games of a regular season disastrous. I like it's I, I've told you this. I don't like when people say, oh, I like going to battle with these guys. We are ready for war. Really? Is there a risk of death? Are you fighting over land and religion or freedom or democracy? Or are you fighting to get a piece of metal? That's a joke. Piece of metal is what Rob once called the World Series trophy. It's not a piece of metal. It's a great piece of metal. Don't say disastrous in a press conference. And then the second thing you don't say when you're asked about who you're negotiating with, Rob said, yeah, it's not like it was when I was with Mike Weiner." Mike Weiner used to be the head of the Major League Baseball Players Association. I was in front of the table, next to the table, across the table from Mike Weiner so many times. He was impossible to deal with. He died tragically of a brain tumor way too young. He was impossible. But there's one thing about Mike that Rob knew, that the other presidents and owners knew, that he was reasonable. Meaning, you can be impossible and reasonable, but if you're impossible and not reasonable, then you're Bruce Meyer who's the current union negotiator. But you don't say that when you're in the middle of a negotiation. So there were a couple problems with the press conference. It's not the end of the world. And I thought everything was gonna be fine. I'm not gonna get into a coca. I, I'm not getting into Scott Boris. I decided it's Friday. We only have 13 minutes left in the show. I wanna, br I wanna bring it to break. But I will tell you this, folks. I'm gonna get the energy next week to talk about something else Rob said as it relates to franchise valuations. I will talk about what Scott Boris said as it relates to franchise valuations because the amount of misinformation. I got the sneeze out finally. The amount of misinformation out there about what it is to own a team and the finances of the team is staggering, but I'm not doing it now, Coca. I'm just not in the mood, okay? We'll be back next week. All right, let's go to break. I'm going to do something after the break that I've not done once in the history of Nothing Personal with David Sampson. We'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's been a great week. Another record-setting week. Let's make next week another record. Thank you for all the downloads, the follows. Thank you for the rankings and the reviews. Get on Apple and write a review if you don't mind. Give it five stars because Coke is concerned that there have not been as many reviews lately. So go on your Apple podcast, go to the Nothing Personal with David Sampson thumbnail and click it, and then there's a way to write a review. Just put five stars and write something that made you laugh or something that made you smarter or something that made you say, oh my God, I can't believe I give 45 minutes a day to this man. And then say I'd give it to Sampson, but not to Coca. But in all seriousness, thank you. And we're gonna keep going. 
I watch a movie every day. About a month ago, I would say, I don't remember when the movie called Don't Look Up came out. It was a movie that was written and directed by Adam McKay, who is a collaborator with Levitard and a collaborator with others on Metal Arc, but also does a million other things. He's the one who did the big short. He's the one, along with Will Ferrell, who had that terrible breakup, but they did Succession. This is just one of the top talents in uh, Hollywood. So I watched Don't Look Up, and I went on Levitard, and I gave it a bad review because I thought that Adam McKay was trying too hard. I thought that it was even more political than it needed to be, and I thought that it was too many big stars underutilized, and I just didn't buy into the movie. And I gave that review, and I'd said to Dan before I went on the show, I said, listen, you know, I'm going to review Don't Look Up, and it's not going to be good. Do you want me to choose a different movie? He said, no. Here at Metal Arc, we were just like CBS. Uh, we absolutely are fine with you saying whatever you want to say about any sport, about any movie, and we're never going to get upset with you. You can say anything about Roger Goodell or the NFL, and we at CBS will never pick up the phone and say, don't say that. What are you going to say? So I went on the air. I gave that review. Then the Oscar nominations came out, and Best Picture uh was 10 films, one of which was Don't Look Up. Adam McKay got nominated for Best Screenplay. And I said to myself, I'm going to give it another chance. So yesterday, I watched a documentary on Carol King and James Taylor, which was amazing. And then I said, I'm going to watch Don't Look Up again. I'm going to give it another 127 minutes, and I'm going to see what I think. So I sat there, and it was after the trade deadline. It was after the press conference. It was after the Dolphins press conference, which we never even got to, which I watched live with Xavier McDaniel. And I, I can only tell you that when I'm supposed to review something new every day, am I going to take the time to watch something twice? And the answer is usually not a movie like Don't Look Up. I'm going to watch a movie like Let It Ride or Fletch or if I just want something funny, maybe Ed TV or maybe The Usual Suspects if I want just a reminder of what a great movie is. But a current Oscar movie, I'm not going to do. But I sit there, do it, phone by my side, and I saw a completely different movie. So I want to review Don't Look Up and tell you how bizarre it is that I finally understood what the actual point of the movie was. It was not just a commentary on the previous administration. It was not just about Trump and his children, Jonah Hill playing the child of Meryl Streep, where he just turned it around and made the president a woman and the son a boy, as opposed to the president being a man and the daughter, Ivanka, being involved. But there's a throwaway lines that you could do without about Jonah Hill saying, hey, if I weren't, if she weren't my mother, obviously poking fun at Trump saying if she weren't my daughter, I'd date Ivanka and other such ridiculous stuff. And it's about global warming and the end of the world, except it's about a comet hitting the earth. But what I really took out of the movie and the performance by DiCaprio and by Jennifer Lawrence, not so much Tyler Perry and Kate Blanchett, I mean, there's so many stars in this movie was the role that social media is playing in today's society. Where we get our information in one place now. No one is sitting around the TV watching the 6.30 national news or the 11 o'clock local news except for the sports if you are looking for Will in Miami. 
But in general, people are getting their news from opinion makers, some who are informed, some who are not, all on social media. Politicians are using social media in order to get information to you, in order to manipulate their message, and they're telling you what you want to hear, even when it's not true. Because that's the way elections are won. It's by making people feel better about themselves, better about their situation, giving them hope that their situation could change only for the better, never for the worse. And it's all done in snippets and in videos. And we've covered this from a bullying standpoint. We've covered it from a it's not real standpoint. But I don't know that I've seen anyone cover it the way Adam McKay did covering it from a political standpoint, showing the incredible manipulation that really comes from both the left and the right. So the moral of the story is if you haven't seen Don't Look Up, go see it. If you have seen Don't Look Up and liked it, watch it again. If you've seen Don't Look Up and you didn't like it, please watch it again. Give it one more try. I caught about 60 things in the second viewing that I didn't catch in the first. Don't Look Up. All right. We're going to end this week with the nothing personal pick of the day. We are now 21 and 14. We had two picks yesterday. Who was with me? We had the Nets in the morning plus three over the Wizards. Did you watch the game? The game when it started was Nets plus one. The Nets were down three at the end of the game. They shot an air ball three ball, and it was caught by Blake Griffin and tipped in at the buzzer. The referees actually went to instant replay to make sure it counted it did. So the Nets lost by one, which means it's a push, but not for me. That's a win. But then I got sort of screwed in the Mavs game. Because in the morning line, the Mavs were favored by a touchdown. When the game started, they were favored by a touchdown minus the extra point. The Mavs won by a touchdown, which means the Mavs covered if you took it late, but they pushed if you took it in the morning. So I get a push and a win, which means we're 21 and 14. Not a bad start to the beginning of 2022. All right, we're going to give you an NBA game for Friday, and then it's time to get to the Super Bowl. Here we go. Tonight, the Atlanta Hawks and Trey Young are playing the San Antonio Spurs. It has been quite a run for the Hawks and the Spurs when it comes to favorites covering, dogs not covering. Hawks minus eight over Spurs. I expect a double-digit victory. All right, time to talk about the Super Bowl. Here we go. We're giving game picks. We're giving prop picks. So get ready. Who do I think is going to win this Super Bowl? Well, the line right now on DraftKings is minus four. In Caesars, it's minus three and a half. I use ESPN. Can I say that? No, I use CBS (laughs) when I'm looking at lines. I'm allowed to say three and a half, Coca, but I'm going to say four. We're taking the Rams minus four. And the reason we're taking the Rams minus four, it is my belief that DraftKings has the better line. That's number one. But it's my second belief that I'm really here to pick a winner because winners generally cover. The Rams are a better team. They have a better defense, though the Bengals are so good. They don't have a better quarterback because I take Burrow over Stafford. But I would take OBJ. I would take... Oh, God, Coca. Come on, the Offensive Player of the Year. Cooper. I would take Cooper. I I call him Carter Cap because that was a former player of mine. It's Cooper Cup. 
There's just something about the Rams when you go all in. Do I take Sean McVay as a better coach? I just think the Rams are going to be the better team, and I think that the Bengals are so happy to be there, which is what I thought in the championship game, and it didn't work, but I'm going to think it again. Rams minus four. But now, let's go to the props. So if you don't know what props are, they're bets that are totally ridiculous, that are so much fun. You get to keep track of them during the course of the game. You get to root for some crazy stuff and get paid some crazy numbers. Ready? Number one. Write these down, Coca, because we got to keep track. Odell Beckham Jr., over or under five and a half receptions. Odell Beckham Jr. is going to have over five and a half receptions, and you get plus 100 for that. That's my first prop. Second prop, and I'm not giving you coin test, coin toss stuff, but I got to give you this one. Do you know that the Bengals have a great wide receiver as well named Jamar Chase, who just won Rookie of the Year at the NFL Honors, where Aaron Rodgers was MVP, which, by the way, was a wait to see before the season even started, but I'm not going to take credit for it now. Maybe next week during the show, I'm going to go through how unbelievable it was to pick Aaron Rodgers before the season even started. But Jamar Chase, Rookie of the Year. Cooper Cup is who we just talked about. There is a prop bet where you get plus 150. If you bet a dollar, you get back a dollar fifty. If they each have a total of 15 plus combined receptions, which means if one has eight and one's, if one has, if they both have eight receptions, you win. If Cooper Cup has 11 and Jamar Chase has five, you win. You've got to get to 16 receptions between the two of them. They don't have to make yards. They don't have to be touchdowns. They just need to be 16 receptions. Bingo. 16 receptions and 80 plus receiving yards each. Hell yeah. Cooper Cup and Jamar Chase, 15 plus combined, 80 plus receiving, plus 150. That's a prop that we are playing. Next prop. This is unbelievable. Either Joe Burrow or Matthew Stafford will throw a 50 plus yard touchdown pass. Will there be a 50 plus yard touchdown pass? Pass you get a $2 for every dollar you bet. We're taking it. One of them will have a 50-plus-yard touchdown pass. Pat, God dang it, dog it, 4869. Either Joe Burrow or Matthew Stafford will throw a 50-plus-yard touchdown pass. It's a dollar to win $2. Yes. How about this one? Evan McPherson will have a field goal of 50 or more yards. Evan McPherson may have a field goal of 60 or more yards. And it's plus 140? Yes, Evan McPherson will have a successful field goal of 50 or more yards. Okay, next one. This is an awesome one. This is the over-under of yards passed for each quarterback. Here we go. Joe Burrow, his over-under is 274.5. Matthew Stafford, his over-under is 279.5. It's minus 120 for each of them to go over their appointed yards. We are going over. I'm expecting, while I love the Rams defense, I love the Bengals defense, but I am expecting a touchdown pass of over 50 yards. I'm expecting both to go over their yardage. Joe Burrow over 274. Matthew Stafford over 279. Book it. And then, in conclusion, the coin toss. It's the most ridiculous bet of all time. Do you know what the odds are in your coin toss? 50% heads, 50% tails. 
The Vigorish is only 5%. It's minus 105 to win 100, which means you have to do a dollar and five cents to win a dollar. But I want to start off on a positive note with the prop bets. Ready? Tails never fails. The coin toss will be tails. It is Super Bowl Sunday. If you're not excited for all those props and if you're not excited for the Rams and the new NBA post-deadline and to see whether or not the MLB meeting on Saturday is going to lead to an agreement, well, then I can't help you. I appreciate you spending the week with me. Guess what? We'll be back Monday to recap the Super Bowl to tell you about MLB's meeting on Saturday to see how we did on these bets and wait to seize and because I'm really going to miss you, but not Coca. It's just business. This is nothing personal. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.